Stevenson centers, and the loose puck was put on. Rebound shot blocked. Now Eichel scores. The third rebound goes for Eichel. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Marcia Sillwright to the circle. White Cloud shoots. He scores. Doing his best. Jack Eichel finds the opening. Top shelf. Sharp angle for White Cloud. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Ballard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the Lots of energy in the building from Chris Chapman as we are a day closer to training camp for the Vegas Golden Knights. That is right, tomorrow the official open of training camp. Nothing on ice for the Golden Knights tomorrow. Uh, it'll just be kind of entrance, uh, medicals, all that kind of stuff. The the baseline testing that is done at the beginning of a year for the hockey club. And then Thursday, this team will be on the ice gearing up for their first preseason game of 2022-23. That'll be on Sunday against the Colorado Avalanche. We've got some news to give you uh, about the Colorado Avalanche and one Nathan McKinnon. We'll get to that a little bit later on. We'll also have Jesse Granger on at 5 o'clock with The Athletic to kind of get into the Golden Knights rookie camp, uh, talk a little bit about the showcase over the weekend, but mainly we're going to focus today on main camp. We're going to focus on what the expectations are going to be for this Golden Knights team this season, but more than anything, the storylines we are most intrigued by. A lot of it centers around who's going to be playing with who. What are the lines going to look like for the Vegas Golden Knights going into this season with Bruce Cassidy at the helm for the first time with this organization? There's a lot to get to here. We've got one-timers, of course, in hour number two as well. And frankly, we should just call it uh, one-timers, the retired edition, because more or less everything we're going to talk about in one-timers is going to center around high-profile retirements from earlier today in the NHL world. But first and foremost, we're going to kick things off by kind of zooming back out a little bit and, and kind of placing a little bit of an emphasis on what happened over the weekend. The Golden Knights, the rookie showcase up in San Jose, yeah, you had a 1-1-1 a one, one one schedule for the Golden Knights. They won a game in regulation, they lost in the shootout, and then they lost in regulation. Um, you know, so, you know, you look at results, I think, to a degree, but it's not necessarily the be-all, end-all of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to evaluate. For the Golden Knights going into this rookie camp, I, I talked about how important it was going to be for somebody that's kind of in that 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 bubble position that 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 place where you want to as a prospect force the hand of management coaching all of that to put you in a lineup to put you into preseason games to give you an extended look or to change their mind on where you fit within the organizational depth chart the interesting thing about the Golden Knights over the course of the weekend is that you you had some players do the things that they needed to do and Chris Chapman, you can jump in at any point in time here. I know you were running at least two of the games, 
But to me, like when when you look at Brendan Burson, right, and, and a lot's going to be made of Brendan Burson. We played the clip yesterday from Kelly McCrimmon over the weekend with Brian McCormick about Brendan Burson, the, the things that he's got to do. We talked a little bit to Dar- uh, to Darren Millard yesterday about Burson and and you know where he stands after rookie showcase going into main training camp, and. The, the idea that he's not going to be afraid of the moment, right? The idea that Brendan Burson has been around high-profile players before. He's been around high-profile players his entire life. He's not going to be intimidated by going out and playing his game. Those are all really important factors, but none more important to me than scoring on the power play and then going to the net hard and scoring the game-winning goal in the only game that the Golden Knights rookies won over the weekend. I look at that, it's got timeliness, it's got a knack for being around the net, and it's the types of things that you would expect would make Brendan Brisson an option for the NHL club if he becomes an option, because that's what you would need from him at the NHL level. So in terms of individual players that stand out over the course of a weekend, that stand out in those games, or the players that entered them with expectations placed upon them, I look at that first game for Brendan Brisson, maybe not so much the second game, but the first game as, okay, you know what? That's one stepping stone down. That's one moment in time where Brendan Brisson was able to come in, do what was necessary and needed for him in the greater context of what his camp needs to look like, and maybe he can ride that momentum into main camp. Well, there, there's a couple questions surrounding Brendan Brisson that, that I can't answer, but... I think the big question that that I think we will look to see when he's in camp because he did not play yesterday and neither did uh, Leighton Ahak or Caden Korzak, which leads me to believe that those three players in particular are going to have every opportunity to make this Golden Knights roster out of camp. But the question that I think when we watch him with the big fellas, we're going to ask ourselves is, is he ready now? He, he's going to have every opportunity to make this roster. But there's certain the, – the, when, when I look at the, 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 the top four lines for the Golden Knights, or the only four lines for the Golden Knights, I really only see one spot in the top 12 or top nine, however you want to say it, where there is an opportunity for Brendan Brisson to make the roster because I don't think he's a fourth-line player. I mean, you're, you're certainly not going to put him there. Yeah, you're not you're not doing that. You're and, not putting him on the fourth line. And so line. that leaves is he in the top 6? I, I I don't think so. So you look at that third line where there's going to be a a log jam of players fighting for that spot on the third line. I mean, he he's going to have to be better than a lot of guys because it's not a situation where he's going to make the roster and they're going to have him a healthy scratch every night. If he makes the roster, he's playing. And if he's making the roster, that means he beat out a lot of guys, Michael Amadio, Zakari Mananen, Brent, uh, uh, Jonas Ronbierg, guys who played last year, Paul Cotter, uh, Jake Lecision. He beat Michael Amadio. He beat all those guys out to earn that spot. So I think if he makes the roster, that's a really, really good sign because that means he beat out other guys who've played in the NHL for that spot. The big question is, does Kelly McCrimmon... And, and George McPhee, when they look at the whole body of work, do they feel that he would be better served playing in the AHL 
to start the season. I, I do believe, and, and we talked about it yesterday after the shows, we were walking out. Mm-hmm. I do believe we will see him at some point this season. When? So, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's the really important question, right? Like, how many how many preseason games do you need to see from Brendan Brisson? I think he would probably need to play half. I, I, I think four is probably... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you want to see more? more. I, I think he needs to play... I, I think four at the minimum. And 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 when he plays them is important. Yeah, like, yeah. When he plays them is, is important to me because I, I look at preseason as a really interesting time in the NHL. There's so much that's going to be out there for the Golden Knights specifically. There are so many different combinations I think we're going to see. Like, I know we're going to get to... I know we're going to get to our lines tomorrow. And I know on Thursday we're going to see kind of the first iteration of what Bruce Cassidy is going to be using. But, like, let's make no mistakes about this. Bruce Cassidy is not going to be icing the the closest approximation of what his roster is going to be on opening night until deep into preseason. So everything that we see, like, in the first week is going to be experimentation. It's going to be seeing if there's chemistry to be had in certain different uh, in certain places or different duos or trios can maybe bring something to the table that's a little bit different. So we're not going to have the clearest idea of exactly what the Golden Knights are going to look like until much later in the preseason. And, by extension... You aren't going to see the opposition's best until much later in the preseason. Yeah, so yeah, I think for that's, me, yeah. for me, I have to see Brennan Brisson in a preseason game late in the schedule. We're talking the final two, maybe the last one, and 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 that's going to be a tricky one because you don't really want to introduce a player that you might not see being on your opening night roster in that last preseason game. But I, I need to see it. I want to see it to, to see if what Brendan's able to do at every other level in college, what he was able to do last year in, in an abbreviated stint in the AHL, if that can translate at like 80% NHL speed. Because if it does, then maybe you've got something there. But I, I'm more inclined to believe that he's not going to be playing those final two preseason games. I'm more inclined to believe going into this training camp that he's going to have a good camp. He's going to get some opportunities to play some really good minutes. But you want him to go down to the AHL and dominate. That That's where I stand on Brendan Brisson. Let him dominate 15, 20, 25, 30 games. And then if you need scoring in your lineup and he's dominating in the AHL, that's when you ease the kid in without any real pressure. Yeah, and I think that the the point you make there is a really important point about when he plays in these preseason games, right? The first game is Sunday night. I mean, we're 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 only a handful of days away from from that first preseason game, but then there's another preseason game Monday night. Yeah. So, the the you, you I I don't know other teams' preseason schedules, but I do know that for the Golden Knights, it seems like they play almost every other night in preseason. So, <laughs> There, there, there's probably going to be different looking lineups every single night, but I would anticipate some of the younger guys are going to have a real opportunity in these first few games because I, I, I think it, it's an opportunity to maybe showcase. But what, like where I agree with you about Brisson is I want to see how he does against NHL caliber players. I, I know what he can do at, at University of Michigan. I know how great of a player he was at the at University of Michigan, but he played with a lot of other great players at the University of Michigan, and that's not a knock on him. That's that's more praise about how how solid that program is. But I don't want to see him against AHL guys. I want to see him against NHL players. And 
he he may have that opportunity later in the preseason, but but I think this is this is a situation where I don't know if in the time that that we've been here, if we have had a player who was a high draft pick who we feel maybe has the potential. Like I know everyone thought Cody Glass was going to be great. We we saw how good Nick Suzuki turned out to be. I think Eric Branstrom, we we probably had a lot of anticipation about seeing him with the big club. It didn't pan out for him, and he he's now in Ottawa. But I feel like the the anticipation and and the excitement around Brisson is probably bigger than any player that we've had maybe outside of Eric Branstrom. Mm-hmm. And 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 I feel like maybe this is. I, I, I don't know how the front office feels about that first draft class, right? We we, we know Nick Hague is, is a good player. Jonas Jonas Rombierg and Jake LeCision both had an opportunity to play in the NHL last year. Those were all first-year first draft picks. But there really hasn't been any other draft pick since who's had that opportunity to maybe break into the lineup the way that Brendan Brisson has. And, and I think they want to make sure that they get it right with him because I, I I think from a, from the fan perspective, I feel like maybe outside of Nick Hague, I don't feel like the fans feel like they've gotten a draft pick right yet. Well, you want a draft pick to come in and be impactful, right? Especially and, a first and, round pick. Yes, because you look at how other teams around the league win, and for the Tampa Bay Lightning, for the Colorado Avalanche, you have had younger draft pick players or players on entry level contracts coming in and playing big-time minutes. That, that's just how it's gone in, in a salary cap era. You need to have some players on inexpensive contracts playing either at their potential or above their potential to fill out the remainder of your lineup. We've seen it before. We've, we've seen it with Kale McCarr coming in, and he's a different type of player for sure. But you want, if you're the Golden Knights, you want a player to come in and and perform above expectations and above contract to make you a deeper, harder to play against, more difficult team to match up with. And, and you know, Brisson in general, because of his skill set, right? Because of the shot, because of the goal scoring, because of the thing that he does better than anything else that he does happens to be the hardest thing in the world to do in this sport and helps you win hockey games I think there's going to be a natural inclination to just want to push this guy forward and push him here maybe faster than he should be yeah and and I agree I think taking your time with Brisson right now is the prudent way to go about it unless he blows you away at camp like if he comes into camp and he goes through preseason, he's scoring two goals a game every single game, and he's on fire. Like, you you owe it to him, you owe it to yourselves to see maybe what that translates to at the beginning of the year. But beyond that, I, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense right now. I think you're hoping internally, right, that Sakari Manonin or someone else, maybe Michael Amadio, you mentioned Amadio, I think there's more offensive upside to Amadio's game than maybe we saw last year, and and he had a really good year for the Golden Knights. You want somebody to claim that spot? I think a lot of fans want it to be Brennan Brisson, but I would argue that from an organizational standpoint and, and from a developmental standpoint, 
Maybe you don't want it to be Brendan Brisson. Maybe you want him to get that seasoning in the AHL to feel confident and comfortable in his game so that it translates a little bit quicker and more consistently when he is in the NHL for this Golden Knights team. And I think that's the key because I think if he's, if he's in Henderson and he was only there for a handful of games last year, mm-hmm. but yeah. that that's an extension of of what Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee have as far as a vision for this Golden Knights team. So he's going to be coached the way that they want him to be coached, and they're going to have him do the things that they want him to be better at. We all know he can score goals. And 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 maybe maybe that's something that the Golden Knights say, hey, you know what? If that's if, if he's able to come in and consistently score goals, as you said, then maybe if that's the one thing that they feel that this team needs, then maybe he does make the roster. But I think the best case scenario, and and I don't want to deflate fans' expectations here, but the mm-hmm. best case scenario is, as you mentioned, Michael Amadio or Zakari Mananen come in and they are really good out of, out of camp and and they're able to do the things that this organization needs from that from that I'm, I'm just gonna say third line player because I I really feel like that's where there is the only opening on this team is on that third line so if Sakari Manning comes in and and he's a stud right like like you and me were talking yesterday and the name we threw out not for Manning but for someone else was was be Brendan Peary right like be be the guy who just scores however many goals he did in, in such a short period of time because that's what this team's going to need. They're going to need a guy who, I, I, I think, from the forwards, defensively, they're they're sound. You've got Riley Smith, William Carlson, Mark Stone. You, you don't need another defensive-minded two-way forward. You just need a guy who's going to go out there and score goals. And if Manonin or Amadio can be that guy, then that's the best-case scenario for this team because then you can put Brisson in... Henderson, have him work with Manny, have him work with with you know the rest of the coaches, Jamie Heward and, and and Joel Ward and those guys, and he can develop. There's no pressure on him. I mean, obviously there's there's always gonna be pressure, but there's not the pressure like there would be if he makes this roster and he's out there for the opening night. Because then all the pressures in the world on is on the kid. You want him to be ready, I think both mentally and physically. I'm excited to watch him because, like I said, I I think for the first time in a long time, there's a lot of anticipation about about a, a kid in the pipeline, and they've got some good ones down there. It, it's not just him. Like I, I'm I'm so excited to watch Leighton Ahak and Caden Korzak. I mean, the, the, and 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 a guy who I I thought was a little disappointing in in San Jose, but maybe he'll he'll look a lot better in the mm-hmm. preseason. But that's Ivan Morozov. And and I think that's one of the guys that I'm really really looking forward to seeing. I mean, there, there's some really good players down in Henderson, and you know we're focusing on Brisson because he's the big name. But those two guys in the blue line, I think both of them have a really really legit chance to to turn some heads in preseason. Yeah, you know you bring up an interesting idea and topic and that's kind of where I want to go. Real quick though, the Golden Knights preseason schedule starts on Sunday in Colorado against the Avalanche, then they will be 
at T-Mobile Arena on Monday against the LA Kings and then Wednesday against Colorado and Friday next week against San Jose. So back-to-back right out of the gate. That'll be fun. Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday and Friday is the first week of preseason action for the Vegas Golden Knights. You you brought up Leighton Akak. You brought up Caden Korzak. And, and I think that kind of ties in pretty seamlessly with Nick Haig, right? Like, that's one of the question marks going into this season, and it's still a question mark because as of right now, this moment in time, Nick Haig is still not signed to an extension for the Vegas Golden Knights. He does not have a contract, and when camp opens officially tomorrow, Nick Haig will not be with the Golden Knights, assuming a deal does not get done between now and then. That can happen. Of course, we're going to leave that option on the table and open, but right now it does not appear like it's going to come to be. I wonder if, based on what you saw out of Leighton Ahak, based on what you saw out of Caden Korzak, and really what you've seen out of Korzak for the entirety of the summer, I thought he was the best player on the ice for the development camp. I thought he was leaps and bounds better than everybody else uh, in terms of the rookie showcase. Like To me, Caden Korzak is an NHL player. And you don't want to see opportunities come about because you can't come to an agreement on a contract extension for one player or the other. But if Nick Haig gets deep into training camp without signing a contract with the Vegas Golden Knights, that's going to be advantage A-hack, advantage Korzak. And it's up to those players to go into this camp looking to take advantage of that. Yeah, and, and certainly that's that's a position where the the, the team is deep. And I, I think the worst thing, or maybe the best thing, depending on which side you're looking at, is if you want to get Nick Haig signed and in camp, mm-hmm. the best or worst thing, depending on who, whose perspective you're looking at it from, is for Caden Korzak or Leighton Ahak to look like NHL players. I think Korzak is probably a little bit ahead of Ahak as far as, as where, where they are in their development, but two guys who were both drafted the same year, uh, I, I think one was second round. I think the other was a third round pick. If uh, I should know this because I was at that draft. But I, I believe Korzak was was the second round pick, 41st overall. I don't remember exactly where Ahak went. But I think they traded with San Jose to actually draft Korzak. So um, this is a guy who, who the team likes. He's a big, big kid too. And, uh, you, you know, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Brady McNabb. Uh, ironically, both from Saskatchewan. But... I, I think the best thing from the Golden Knights perspective is is that one of these guys really, really impresses at camp because then you put the pressure on Nick Haig. Like, hey, you know what? You can sit. We don't care. We've got a guy who can step in and play. You know, I asked Darren yesterday, like, at what point does it become really a tough spot for the player, right? Like, you're in, the, you have kind of this give and take between the player and the organization. The player you can miss a little bit of training camp. Ordinarily, you could miss a little bit of training camp because, you know, you're, you're in a position, you, you feel confident in your skill set, you know what you need to do to prepare and get ready, you know how many preseason games you need. So if you are, are willing to go and, and willing to stick to your guns there, you have an idea of just about how much time you need to get yourself up and running and ready to go. Um, from an organizational standpoint, like if you're, you know, if you're Kelly McCrimmon in this situation, you're like, well, I, I just, I, I'm pleased with what I saw out of Caden Korzak. I'm, I'm pleased with where our young defensemen are organizationally. So, 
going into training camp, would you like to have Nick Hague under contract? Absolutely. Would you like him to be kind of pushing and, and ready to go and, and into a position where he's learning everything Bruce Cassidy is going to be wanting to implement with this team? Yeah, of course. But if that's not on the table, I feel like the longer it goes, the more it becomes, I, I would say, the player-driven situation than it does the organizational driven situation because you'll have a player that is going to be antsy to get himself into camp around his teammates and learning the things that he needs to do to be successful I think that's going to end up being the driver so you know I asked Darren at what point does it become more detrimental to the player than it does the organization he said you know December 6th which is the last day that a player is eligible to sign a contract and play this year I think it happens much much earlier than that he said uh, when pressed November I would argue that if you miss more than four or five regular season games with a brand new coach and a new system I don't think especially a system that's predicated on defense right especially a system like Bruce Cassidy's that encourages and really hones in on team structured defense zone defense I don't know that that's going to be something that's easily able to be mitigated once you get back into the lineup without a training camp well and that's it how far behind the eight ball do you become if you miss like you said four or five games I think you start to worry as a fan you start Mm -hmm. to worry about Nick Hague possibly missing time is I think if he's not signed by like the third or fourth preseason game, because at that point he's only going to get what a week of camp at the most yeah. new system, new coach. I mean, the the guys he's going to be playing with aren't any different. None of that's changed, but I think there's, there's going to be a learning curve. And I think the longer he's out, the further behind he becomes in, in terms of getting up to speed with what coach Bruce Cassidy wants to do. So so where do you where do you draw the line in terms of okay we accept that this player will be behind just by virtue of missing time but like at what point are you confident that they'd be able to make up that gap I think it would probably take them a, a, a few weeks because I, I I just think like you mentioned the new system it's it's it may not be hard for him you know I mean he he may pick it up really quick who knows? Maybe maybe we could be totally off base on on all of that. But I think as a, from the organization standpoint, I think you start to worry if Korzak or Ahak don't show you that they're ready for the NHL and maybe maybe uh Ben Hutton is not where you want him to be, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I think the pressure gets on the the organization to get him in. I think I I think the organization, quite honestly, Ryan, I think they hold all the cards because sure. because it's a position where they're very deep. It's a position where they've got young guys down in Henderson who I think they're going to be very confident who can come in and maybe not do the job as well as Nick Hague, but do the job, uh, you know, very well. Ben Hutton, a guy who came in last year. I mean, we, mm-hmm. I spoke to him yesterday, and, and he, he yeah. kind of joked about, well, last season I was sitting on my couch. I didn't even know if I was going to have a job. And I think when he was called upon, he played really well. And the other thing with Ben Hutton that I, that I liked is he's not afraid to, to bring the lumber. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's, not a, he's not a big, <laughs> big guy. But, boy, he does not back down. And, and I kind of like the, 
the fact that he plays like he just had some tiger's blood, you know, <laughs> he, he's, he's got that in him. So I, 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 I think the organization here has, has a, a, a pretty good grasp of, of where they, they, they feel going forward. I, I, I think where, where it gets a little dicey is if you maybe have some injuries, maybe things aren't developing the way you want them to. And then Nick Hague, maybe it's almost like he he gets a good card when he's when he's on when he's on the river. So I I wonder it's it's an intriguing situation because there's I think there's only two players in the NHL who are RFAs who haven't signed yet. I can't remember who the other one is, but I know there's and if there's if there's more than two, it's not a lot more than two. But the organization's been through this before. They were through this with Shea Theodore in the second year. Right. And mm-hmm. everything got done before the end of the preseason. I think it will be done before the end of the preseason. But I think the longer it goes on, I think that that leads me to believe that this they're, they're just not close at all. Yeah. The interesting thing for me is, is I tend to put a lot of emphasis on this training camp. I tend to put a lot of emphasis on what the players individually are going to be able, are going to need to do to learn the ins and outs of how Bruce Cassidy wants them to play. There will be growing pains. It's it's only natural when you are implementing new structure, new systems, and new verbiage. Everything's different. Everything, even though it's still hockey at the end of the day, it's still going to be different. And whenever there's something different, if you miss a day, you're behind. If you miss two days, three days, four days, five days, you're behind. If you get into a situation where you're the player and you want to maximize what you're able to do on the ice this year, there's a finite amount of time that you can miss where I think you'll be able to come in, do the things you need to do, and still put together a productive year. If you're looking at a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, maybe to just get himself back to kind of a baseline of where you'd expect the player to be, if you're missing five, six, seven games out of the gate, that's almost... By the time you're you're humming along, right? By the time you are getting into your groove as a player, you're about a quarter to three th- to a third of the way done with the season, and and that isn't doing anyone any favors. I'm very curious to see when this gets resolved. I am. Mile marker number one comes tomorrow when the Golden Knights open up their training camp. Nothing on the ice tomorrow for Vegas, but they will be on the ice Thursday. Preseason starts on Sunday. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Nathan McKinnon's new contract and why I was right about where the AAV came in. That's next on the VGK Insider Show. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Training camp right around the corner for the Vegas Golden Knights, of course. It opens Wednesday, tomorrow. Uh, Nothing on the ice. It'll all be kind of closed to the media. The Golden Knights are going to be coming in, baseline testing, everything that you do at the beginning of the year. And then on-ice sessions will commence on Thursday. Cannot wait to get a glimpse of what the lines are going to look like. If you heard the show yesterday, you know Darren kind of went on about how that's going to be the mainstay focus of probably the first three or four practices this year. What are the line combinations going to look like? What's the makeup that Bruce Cassidy's going for? What what do we see as kind of the, the main 
the main movers or, or how do you best balance out the, the top nine for the Vegas Golden Knights? It, I, we're going to do our lines tomorrow. Darren will be back in studio. We're going to do lines tomorrow. What we think this team's going to look like on opening night. And I, I'm still up in the air trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to approach this. If I'm going to approach it on what I'd like to see or what I think Bruce Cassidy is going to do. I might have two different lineups just for the sake of going above and beyond. But I can tell you one thing I'm going to do. One thing I'm going to do when it comes to the Golden Knights is Keegan Colasar and Will Carrier, they are on the fourth line for this Golden Knights team. Who's down the middle? I don't know. I haven't really decided yet. I haven't really honed in on exactly who I want to be the fourth line center for the Golden Knights, but Will Carrier, Keegan Colasar, fourth line, get in, bang some bodies. That's going to be a mainstay for the Golden Knights this year. Yeah. It just is. It's what they are going to use as their identity for that fourth line. There's only one line that I've settled on, and that's the fourth line. Other than that, I have some guys in places, but I can't decide exactly who goes where in other spots and how that affects, you know, maybe this line. It's 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 tough because, like mm-hmm. we talked about yesterday, I, I, I feel like I'm going to break up the misfits, but when I think about it, it's like, Maybe I'm not. Like maybe I won't break that up. I, oh, I, I don't 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 be don't be that guy. No, I, I don't I'm talk bre- yourself into it. I'm breaking don't it up. I mean, is the the, yeah. the the only question is, do I put all three of them on three different lines, or do I do a pair? Mm-hmm. How 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 am I going to do it? Like where where I'm having a hard time is which misfit I want where, mm-hmm. and I like I said I'm settled on my fourth line. I'm settled on two thirds of my first line. After that, it's like the remember the the jumble games that they used to put. Well, maybe not. Maybe you don't because I'm I'm a bit older. But in the newspaper, they used to have the jumble word game. That's like me. It's a, it's a jumble right now because I have no idea what I'm doing with my second line. I have zero idea. I don't even know who's on my third line in terms of we, we spoke about that that third player. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'm going to put there. I I have no yeah. idea. Well, tune in tomorrow, VGK Insider Show. We are going to dive deep into what we think the lineup's going to look like for the Golden Knights come opening night again. Pre, uh, preseason schedule starts on Sunday in Colorado against the Avalanche, and camp on ice sessions open up on Thursday. But let's let's jump around. I, I was I was going to throw this into one-timers, but I want to spend a little bit of time on it because I think it's a really interesting thing. Nathan McKinnon. Uh, we we all kind of saw the news trickle out late last week, Thursday, Friday, uh, it, it, during the, the North American media tour here in Vegas with the NHL that Nathan McKinnon was close to signing an extension, close on an extension, quote, close, um, on an eight-year max term contract with the Colorado Avalanche. Of course, of course, Nathan McKinnon won the Stanley Cup, his first of his career this past season with Colorado, has one year left on an absolute sweetheart of a deal, <laughs> does Nathan McKinnon. Uh, frankly, the most underpaid player in the NHL today is Nathan McKinnon. It's ridiculous. Nathan McKinnon has one year left at $6.3 million. $6.3 million. Today, announced by the Colorado Avalanche that Nathan McKinnon 
has signed an eight-year extension, $12.6 million AAV, just a shade over $100 million in total on the contract. Um, I went on the press box this morning with, with Tyler and Ed, and Lindsey uh, Brown was on as well. Um, Tyler asked me, this was the first question, Chapman, and I'm going to tell you how it all played out. Tyler asked me for a hot take on the Nathan McKinnon contract. I'm going to have you answer that. I want your hot take, Chapman, on this Nathan McKinnon contract, and then I'll tell you what my answer was to Tyler. Okay, the hot take. It is the best contract for a team in the NHL. What? That? What? Well, well... What you, you, you kind of put me on the spot, so so I'm I'm trying to. That's think. the best contract no, for well, a team well, in the NHL. No, it, it's it's. I think I think he is criminally underpaid. How about that? Has been he he. I think he still is. He he's he's been a what three okay. times? He he's been a finalist for the Hart Trophy in mm-hmm. the last five years. Yep, hasn't he, won it. He, he doesn't matter. He's been a finalist, right? So he he's oh, he is as elite of a player as mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. in the NHL. He's coming off a Stanley Cup. He's, as you mentioned, he was so underpaid for what he did for this Avalanche team. Mm-hmm. I I I think you can still make the case that he left money on the table. Yeah. So that was my hot take. My hot take. It was no hesitation immediately. Nathan McKinnon at $12.6 million is still a hometown discount. Yeah. Highest paid player in the league. Highest paid player in the league. Let's that, let that sink in for a moment. In a league with Austin Matthews, in a league with Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, not this season, but next season, will be the highest paid player in the NHL. And one, I don't think that's the wrong way to go about it. Now listen, Nathan McKinnon is signing... This contract, at this age, right, 28 years old, McKinnon's going to, like, this is the last big contract that he's got. Connor McDavid has another one. The next contract that McDavid signs is going to be the current contract that McKinnon is going to be entering into. When McDavid's 28, that's the next contract. That's going to be the biggest contract in NHL history. We already know this. I would make the argument that Connor McDavid, even now, should be the highest paid player in the league. And it's maybe a tad bit disingenuous to look at Nathan McKinnon and say, well, he should be the guy. He's only the guy because Connor McDavid signed an eight year contract and not a four or five year deal. Because Connor. From my perspective, and I, uh, you tell me if you feel this way, Chapman. If I'm Connor McDavid, and it really depends on what happens with Edmonton over the next couple of years, but if I were Connor McDavid, when I am getting close to UFA, when I am getting close to my current contract expiring, I don't know that I'm signing an eight-year deal again. I don't know that I'm going to free agency to sign an eight-year deal. If I'm Connor McDavid and I'm trying to maximize what I have left in my contract from a a competitive standpoint, but also from a monetary standpoint, I'm signing two-year deals. I'm signing two-year deals with teams that I think can win. And if it doesn't work out, I'm signing another two-year deal. Because I'm telling you right now, there's nobody in their right mind. 
that wouldn't sign Connor McDavid to two to two years, fifteen million dollars AAV. There isn't anyone in the world that wouldn't do it if they had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, I and and as you mentioned, I don't know if I'm signing an eight year deal, but I don't know if I'm signing with Edmonton because well, I'm not. I, I'm not. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not signing with Edmonton. The the, the thing is, there's only two years difference in age between McDavid and and mm-hmm. Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon twenty seven. Uh, McDavid is 25. McDavid's contract expires in 26, 27. So that makes him, what, 20, 29? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no reason to think that that you couldn't get the very best out of him at 30, 31, 32. I mean, he, he's probably, my, my guess is he probably won't be as good as he is today at thirty, and and I say that uh, with a grain of salt. I disagree. Yeah, but, I, think he, but I think he he might be better. There, there's always that possibility, right? I mean, some he when, when you're as good as he is, you, 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 I I shouldn't say never because you you just don't know because he's that damn good. But I I, I it's it's certainly I I mean a two year deal. I I couldn't. And and the thing is, you're right when you say that because. I look at it and I'm like, there's no way I'm only signing this guy for two years. But if I'm that close, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't care about year three because if I win the cup in year one and two, who cares yeah. about year three? And I'd be getting so, the best player or one of the best players in the league. And at $15 million, that still might be a discount. So so here's here's the here's the big thing. And it's a trend in the direction that the NHL is going. Right when it comes to young players, off of their entry level deals, like we we've kind of talked about this in in, in the negotiation of the Jason <laughs> Robertson contract, of your buddy you know, in Buffalo, yeah, Tage Thompson. You're a player. You want to maximize your your money. You want to get paid. And when someone puts fifty million dollars over seven years in front of you, you say, okay, where do I sign? Yeah, it's hard to the say. The only no to that. reason, the only reason, right, that that Nathan McKinnon was underpaid for three years, four years out of that contract, is because he didn't go with a short-term deal. He didn't go with a short-term contract off of his entry level. He didn't. If Nathan McKinnon would have signed a three-year bridge deal after his entry-level contract, he would have probably been making three to four million dollars more AAV over the last three or four seasons. Yeah, that puts the it up around nine, reason, nine and a half, ten million. Yeah. The only reason Connor McDavid right now is not the highest paid player in the league is because he signed a max term eight year deal with the Edmonton Oilers off of his entry level contract. You understand why the Oilers wanted to lock him in, but if you're Connor McDavid, why in the world would you do that? Yeah. Why in the world would you sign eight years at a fixed number when you are the unquestioned best player in the league. If there was anyone that was ever going to bet on themselves to shatter the records and and bring in max dollars, why wouldn't it be Connor McDavid? Like, I understand wanting to get paid. I understand the stability of a guaranteed contract. But it is a weird thing right now in today's NHL that you have players coming off of their entry-level deals. Not just players, but star players that aren't choosing aren't electing to maximize their money that aren't electing to sign a shorter term bridge deal off of that in order to maximize their next contract mcdavid started the trend mckinnon started the trend 
it's part of the reason I respect Austin Matthews in terms of, of where he's at in negotiations and walking himself right to free agency is that he bucked that trend. Yeah, he got paid. Yeah, it was a marginally long contract, but it wasn't max term for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And don't you think for a minute their fans aren't letting their ownership group and their management group recognize that. Yeah, they may but, come to regret that in a couple of years. But if you come back today and you're saying it is unfair or ridiculous to think that Nathan McKinnon, who is a great player but is not Connor McDavid, is now the highest paid player in the game. The only person that you have to blame for that is Connor McDavid for not taking a chance and betting on a shorter term deal to maximize the amount of money he can make over the course of his career. That's really the rub here. You have young players, elite players, that should be wanting to go shorter term in order to maximize their money. And I get it, it's weird now in this in this flat cap era, but I cannot wait to see what the next number on Connor McDavid is and the, phil- and the philosophy he's going to bring into those negotiations. Is he going to go long term again? Is it going to be with Edmonton? Or is McDavid going to get so fed up by not winning and seeing another guy win because they've built a team around him when he was taking in so few dollars that it set the ground rules and set the groundwork for that team to win some Stanley Cups while he was in his prime and he still maxed out on a big-time payday more than Connor McDavid. That'll be interesting to see. I cannot wait, but I'll tell you, the 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 uh, the the ripple effect from this McKinnon contract is almost as interesting as the breakdown in signing bonuses and base salary. McKinnon, you did a phenomenal job on this contract. Well done, sir. You've earned it, especially since you were underpaid for the last four years. Take a break. When we come back, we'll reset. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Lovely Tuesday afternoon. The Golden Knights open up training camp tomorrow. Preseason slate goes on Sunday, starts on Sunday against the Colorado Avalanche. I'm guessing the $12.6 million man's probably not going to be playing in game one of preseason. Uh, As much as I'd love to see Nathan McKinnon on the ice, the highest paid player in the league, uh, I think we're going to have to wait a little bit on that as as people that cover the Vegas Golden Knights and are tuning into that first preseason game against Colorado. But all that being said, we are going to take a break. When we come back, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show, we will talk to Jesse Granger about all things VGK and all things NHL. I want to get his hot take on Nathan McKinnon. 